0: Oh, Daryl, you don't doubt, Daryl, and do you don't
1: Then we're back for another episode of Cabin in the Clearing. We'd like to thank you, uh, everybody, for joining today. We uh, have Kaoki Duck, who's uh, basically our tea sponsor. If you can see up here on the shelf, he makes uh, homegrown tea, uh, also known as uh, Mitigamin, if I understand correctly, right, Kaoki? Yeah, Mitigamin Agriculture. Yep. Agriculture, nice. And so Kaoki has been working on his tea for a couple of years now. How many years exactly? I uh, started in 2016. 2016. That's awesome. 2016. Right on. Yeah, we got the
0: myth in the room himself, the one that sponsored all our episodes so far, (laughs) and Mr. Kayoki. That's exactly what we're drinking right now too. Yes, sir. And uh, which one is this one actually? What did we go with this time? This is
2: called my extreme lemon blend. So it's Ah. a blend of four different lemon herbs. That it's actually my first blend that I ever made. Nice. nice.
0: I was gonna. I was telling Kayoki earlier when he brought. uh, So he actually gifted us this one on the way here uh, today and uh i was telling them this is one of my favorite ones i really uh love the ginger mint and love uh, just like lemon verbena but this one's nice because w- what is it in the blend again so in this blend there's lemon verbena lemongrass
2: lemon balm and lemon mint nice yeah. right on i love mm-hmm. it and so
1: today it's sweet and so today yeah. what we wanted to talk about is basically um, just because, like your story that really intrigues us I think a lot of people on YouTube a lot of people in the community would love to hear about it and uh, and yeah so if you could just kind of say what what is uh, uh, what is your tea based on like why did you go that route um, so
2: it all started basically this whole business started back in 2015 Fifteen, where i grew um i'm obsessed with mint it's one of my favorite plants mm-hmm. um so i uh built a small little garden that had nine different varieties of mint in it um, including my favorites like you know peppermint or apple mint orange mint etc and then uh, later on that season um, i harvested all the mint and dried it and then around christmas time i didn't really have any money so I thought it would be a good idea if maybe I tried to sell all the mint I grew as tea and it ended up working really well. I sold about $200 worth of tea that year and there was my, my mom who actually suggested that and maybe I pursue it as a business. Oh, no way. Yeah.
1: Okay. Nice. And, 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 love that. And for the people who are listening, I think you went to uh, you went to school, right, for this, if I understand? Yeah, so I did have a couple of post-ex
2: post-secondary education okay, that yeah. I did um, yeah, yeah. the main one being uh, I have a certificate in horticulture from Camosun College in Victoria um, horticulture is uh, basically the science and art behind plants okay uh, so just most any kind of industry to do with plants has to do with horticulture mm-hmm. um, so yeah that's why I went to school for I completed that program in 2014 and then in 20- Seventeen, I took a, herb, a Western herbalism course oh, at a, nice. a small little school here in Ottawa called the International Academy of Health Science. Okay. Uh, or Health, International Academy of Health Education. Oh, nice. Um, that has a bunch of health-related courses in it. Anyway, so I took Western herbalism there, which gave me a big understanding of herbs and medicine. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I also studied a part-time as a tea sommelier to you know, understand everything I can about how to make and prepare tea and in the industry
1: what what does tea sommelier mean sorry I'm, I'm not familiar with the so term so team sommelier is uh, have you ever heard of a
2: wine sommelier uh, it's basically somebody who's very well educated in whatever it'd be wine or tea but okay, basically okay, somebody I who see. knows how to brew tea and basically knows
1: everything about different types tea. of like uh, grapes and all that stuff yeah, yeah,
0: I'm guessing uh, that'd be along the lines of uh, differences in like, oh, uh, what kind of teas have what sort of acidity to them? What's floral? What's more like? I guess sort of.
2: Uh, yeah, it'd be how to, um, one of the biggest things of a tea sommelier is how to properly prepare tea. Um, for herbal tea, which is what I do, is very different. But for actual tea, um, meaning the plant Camellia sinensis, is this is where we get green tea, white tea, black tea. Oolong, it all comes from one plant, and it's just the way we process that plant is how we get these different kinds of teas. Um, And with that plant, um, to make a perfect cup of tea, whether it be green tea or black tea or white tea, you have to have a very specific temperature and a very specific time. And so, it's more complicated to make uh, an actual cup of tea than it is a cup of herbal tea. Nice,
1: wow, love that, (laughs)
0: man.
1: And uh, and can can you kind of just walk us through, or especially for the people listening, like. What does what uh, Mitigomen mean and what's the culture behind it? Uh, so Mitigomen uh, is an Algonquin word for the, uh, acorn
2: coming okay. from a red oak. Um, when I started this business, I just wanted to have, uh, I'm, first off, I'm a Algonquin Anishinaabe from Zibi. Okay. Um, for those of you who don't know, that Zibi is an Algonquin reserve based in Quebec, Canada. Um, nice. So I wanted to choose an Algonquin name to represent my business as mm-hmm. it is taking place on Algonquin soil so i was just looking through the dictionary and it came upon the mit- mitigamin um and i thought that would be a good name mm-hmm. um you know it's not too hard to pronounce like some algonquin words are mm-hmm. but it's hard enough that you know people would have to you know say it a couple times to really be able to pronounce it but mm-hmm. uh, every time people ask me what it is there's, there's one person learning an algonquin word so um we we're definitely trying
1: hard to keep uh the Algonquin language alive as mm-hmm. it is, is in decline so yeah, that, yeah. That no, i think it's very important to do that as well it's very interesting word um as well as very unique in a
0: sense you know um, and, and speaking of the acorn, uh, I noticed you have the acorn as part of the logo itself, which is oh that's, that's awesome, true. I didn't even know you said that. Actually, yeah, yeah. I just clued into that well, now. Actually, yeah, because you said Metigum stands for acorn. That's yeah, a, that's what uh, oh, you're saying. Yeah, yeah, that's my logo for my business okay. is having an acorn in it. Oh,
1: so then there you go. And then that's a bit of the. Like history or the thought process behind it yeah
0: okay mm-hmm. uh. well i've always uh i've always uh, really loved your design honestly just like the t-bates the simplicity of it and also uh one thing i'll point out about your packaging is uh that i've always loved is the uh it's omnidegradable you said
2: yes yeah uh um, can
0: you explain a little more what that means like in in comparison to biodegradable like things like that like
2: Oh yeah, so yeah, the packaging I use right now is omnidegradable, uh, meaning that it, uh, it breaks down into soil. Um, it is basically just made out of wood. It's a wood product, um, but the, um, the way I get my bags from TechPack Solutions, I have a great product, because it's all made out of wood, so it's all biodegradable. Oh, no way. Um, yeah, but uh, they also have a really good technology that keeps the tea fresh for up to a year. Oh. So it works out really great. And yeah, then at the end of the day, I know my packaging isn't going to be another piece of plastic in the ocean so that's Yeah awesome. and that's
1: that's a, that's that's a, you know hitting home on a huge huge like Factor that's really important. I think you know people love like people love biodegradable uh, You know usage compared to plastic people like that like there's a I feel like there's a wave kind of going into that direction So I think it's very important. uh, Well, just consciously as human beings I think it's very important right to to kind of step in that in that direction Especially the less plastic the better in my opinion. So
0: exactly and uh, if I'm correct another thing um, I'm gonna relate this to when I I used to work at a coffee shop called bridgehead just for a short period of time and uh, they used to have compostable bags like for their coffee beans uh, but I remember I used to have to actually remove the strip on the inside like the actual strip that held it together uh, because that wasn't part of the whole biodegradable part of it. Uh, so. If I'm not mistaken like that entire bag is completely my, like even the zipper part of it. And everything. Um,
2: so not exactly at the moment So as right now the label still needs to be peeled off my bag um, Oh, okay, just, good to know just yeah So you have to peel off the label and then the rest of it is biodegradable, but I'm working on trying to change that However, I've been having some troubles because it's not super easy to source something like that like a label That's biodegradable. I didn't find one in the States, but it, it the labels themselves were so expensive They're maybe like five times the amount of fry paid for these labels. Um, However, at the moment, what I am looking for is to try to find a printing company that can print directly on my bags for me so I don't even have to have a label and just, bam, put ink right onto the bag and then it would always be biodegradable. So that's kind of the angle of what I'm searching to do. I uh, could actually help you look days. into that,
0: to be honest. Mm-hmm. That would be great. Yeah. 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 That's, a,
1: that's a good idea. Yeah. Just by the way, for the no, we're not sponsored by Bridgehead at all and any whatsoever we're not affiliated with. Them. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh it's no, yeah. just a joke. bar. <laughs> <laughs> we do not. Uh, <laughs> we have no association with breadshed. But what, what, what's going to happen? You can with, make a
0: mean uh, latte, though, dude. <laughs> nah, I was just kidding around. But what's uh,
1: what's uh, what's what's the packaging going to look like? Are you afraid that it's going to be like it's brown bags, right? So is it going to be the printing on brown bags? Are you going to try to add some color in there, or what's the?
2: Ideally, it would be nice to have color yeah. uh, on the bags. Uh, but if I have to do, if it comes down to it, I would. Um, make it just, you know, printing on the brown bags, even without color, Mm -hmm. Um, because especially these days, a lot of the time people just buy off a website and never really see the product until it gets to them. Exactly. Um, It it is more important for the markets that I do to have nice, flashy packaging to attract customers. Uh, But the end result is I want to have a biodegradable packaging that people can just feel good about throwing away you know sure. and it not being a, a part of a landfill or plastic
0: pollution for sure mm. and it, i mean it's good that you let us know about the label thing so it's just you're just talking the one that says the name of the, the tea on uh, like, so
2: both there's two labels on the packaging okay. right now um the smaller bags have the two labels on one thing right um but the bigger bags you have to rip both the labels oh, okay off.
0: both it's good to know but honestly man i mean you're so you're already so much more advanced than a lot of companies in that sense that you're actually trying to and i mean you're a startup company you know in your sense that you're running it you're yourself. You're doing it on your own dime. Like, you know, it's, it's cool that you're even going that direction to begin with. So, and, uh, but you know, I, I have faith you'll figure it out. (laughs) Thank you. honestly, it's already awesome. I remember,
1: uh, I remember you mentioning the Canadian uh, Youth Council, I believe you yeah. said you were talking about. So can you just elaborate on that for, for anybody who's listening mm. or somebody who's even interested in kind of stepping into that direction, I think it would be good for them too as well to, mm.
2: okay. to learn about it a bit. Yeah, no problem. So yeah, I was uh, picked for one of the first ever Canadian Agricultural Youth Council. So basically it's a council of uh, what started out as 25 uh, youth, Canadian youth who are in agriculture. Um, And we just do a lot of advising to certain sectors of the government, mainly uh, AAFC Canada, which is uh, agriculture and agri-food Canada. Uh, Those are the people we mainly work with and we Mm -hmm. advise them on stuff. Um, Anything related to agriculture, um, as of right now in Canada, the average age for a farmer is something about like, I think it's 64, 56 anyways it's really high Uh, so all these farmers are super old there's not enough young people um getting into agriculture and so that's part of what the youth council does is one of the missions is how can we properly make it that we can start getting younger people into agriculture and, you know, the boomers who are now retiring and the, that are still working, you know, some farmers are still in their seventies and still, yeah. still farming. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they are trying to have a, a good transition. Um, but I'm glad you brought that up because of as of right now, um, so my, My term on the CAYC, the Canadian Agriculture Youth Council, is 18 months. And that term is going to be coming to an end on uh, July 1st. Um, So right now, if there's anybody who is a youth, uh, meaning uh, 18 to 30, uh, who is interested in agriculture or is involved in agriculture, Mm -hmm. uh, you can actually sign up to be on the youth council. um, uh, The... I'm not sure when the um, registration opens for it, um, but it, is, it will be soon. And then the first ter- or the term the next term will begin on July 1st.
0: Okay. Is it yep. is that going to be on a website link that you can apply for that kind of thing, or is it? Yes. Once uh, it, well, okay. I, well, I, we'll
1: make sure to link that actually then mm-hmm, below. Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, a idea, yeah. like, that's a really good idea. We should yeah. link it if we can and, find and, it. Yeah. And what did you mean by like your term is, is coming up? Like so.
2: Uh, so we we get on the council for a term. The term being 18 months. Okay. So
1: you were on
0: the council. Yeah. So oh, okay. on I didn't
2: the, know that. Yeah. I went on the council. I think you might have it to me but yeah uh, so I've been on the council for about a year now uh, just over a year and yeah it's gonna come to an end uh, in July it was very good I've learned a lot and talked to a lot of people and advised uh, certain policies and stuff like that Um, but yeah, it was a very very interesting time but it was a lot of work Um, but I was honored to be chosen as when they first put out the call for um, potential members, there was 800 people who applied across Canada. Wow. And it was only 25 of us who were chosen, so. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, so they have a, they want like at least one person from every province oh, uh, and territory. Um, in some of the bigger provinces, like Quebec and Ontario, there's about four or five different people from each one. Yeah, yeah, and um, you were chosen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's I'm awesome. I'm actually the only
0: uh, indigenous member of the Youth Council. Right oh, on, wow. dude. Yeah. That's awesome good that's That's amazing dude and honestly man i just think it's really beneficial that you're working with youth to help uh people learn how to grow food and uh utilize it more because especially with the day and age we live in and where things are progressing i see a lot of decline in like access to food and also there's an abundance of mass-produced crappy unhealthy food for people that you know that's that's what we're eating every day or that's what people are focusing on it's really good that you're like providing a service to look at, at it from the other side you know and like that's yeah it's a so for you, man, <laughs> <laughs> and this applies. So I guess that
1: was like volunteer work in a sense.
2: Yeah, it is volunteer. It's not a, not a paid thing. It's oh, okay, volunteer okay. work, but it's
1: good experience. Have you ever done any type of other volunteering before like that, or was that like? Uh, yeah, I've done a few different volunteer uh,
2: thing throughout my career. Uh, this one, uh, this one time, I started a small garden in my home community of Kittagon ZB because I wanted to start uh, getting kids into um, growing. Right, I think uh, you know, growing your own food is something that should be taught in school. Yeah. Uh, I agree. So I took it upon myself to I went to the the principal, and she agreed that yeah we could do like a little garden. So mm-hmm. I basically set up a small little garden, and we grew a few vegetables. Uh, we only did it for one year. Nothing too much ever came to it mm-hmm. came of it. But uh, yeah, I have done volunteering and that. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's actually something I actually noticed uh, like especially like since the pandemic started It's basically a lot of people were like looking for like, you know, just like tomato cages or other types of supplies And everybody started like home growing in their gardens essentially at home, you know, because there's nothing
0: else to do, right? Absolutely. That's that's something that I actually noticed. Uh even going back yeah. to what God was saying, we were doing it. Uh, we talked about it before in our, our, one of our last podcasts, but uh, you helped me out, dude. So uh, as far as Keoki's advising, uh, he even helped me grow my garden. Like, he gave me all the dirt for it and everything. And uh, I think he gave me the basil plant. I think uh, there was one other one he gave me. There was I some know,
1: strawberries. Yeah, the yeah strawberries, strawberries. That's it. it, yeah.
0: And so before you started
1: getting into, like, uh, you know, agriculture, or home gardening, and, and creating your business, did you have like, d- did you know that that's what you wanted to do, or is there like other jobs that you were done that are similar into that kind of scope, uh, something that was kind of directing you towards where you are now? Yeah, so yeah, when I was 12, I would have thought you were crazy
2: if you were to come up to me and tell me that I would be a tea farmer in my yeah. future. <laughs> um, but yeah, I started uh, working out in. Um, I did a lot of forestry when I was younger, so I did tree planting for a few seasons. I mm. did about 250,000 trees over my career. Um, then I also worked some other jobs um, that have to do with horticulture, like I was a landscaper for a while where okay. I took care of people's gardens. I also worked for another landscaping company. Um, I worked in uh, nursery operations, Mm -hmm. including Silver Culture Nursery, which is a nursery designed for forestry, and also a landscape uh, nursery, which is um, a nursery that grows, uh, sells or propagates and sells plants for
1: landscaping. Okay, 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 that's awesome
0: that's sweet dude and would you say that uh that kind of experience and say the tree planting uh side of things i know you've told me you have a lot of very long days of working in the garden and it gets tiring you know and you have to have patience and stamina and like do you think uh like working in that kind of environment of tree planting kind of helped lead you to have that patience and that kind of like physical you know Mm -hmm. uh, and mental strength to get through that very much yes i think Mm -hmm. all my uh prior jobs prior to my
2: agriculture career definitely helped me gain skills and knowledge and to be able to work uh in agriculture and you know do those long days and whatnot so yeah i think very
1: much they they paved the path for me to work and what i'm doing now sweet that's That's awesome that's awesome a lot a lot of things too is like as we talk a lot about mindset and you know and just like overcoming and just realizing that like you're in the moment and it's like yo you just gotta you gotta put everything on the side. So what, do you have any techniques for you to like, kind of like, you know, cause at the end of the day, you're a small business owner, right? And like, there must be some type of grind or like hustle associated to that. So what, what do you do? Like what are your work hours? Like do you, what's your motivation? Um, well, my motivation
2: right now, the biggest thing is for me to get a, a bigger farm. Like I want to buy a, a farm property, mm-hmm. uh, which I am I actually put in an offer in uh, for one right now. Uh, but yeah, to be able to do this a uh, full-time, because as of right now with the whole Amitagoman agriculture and KOT business, I can't do it full-time, um, I, I, every, all the tea I grow comes from one acre of land that my family lets me use. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've only been working off one acre, but uh, hopefully if I get this farm that I'm looking at now, I'll have 16 acres too. Oh, nice. Grow, yeah, and yeah. then I'll be able to eventually start working and do this full-time. Uh, as of right now, i only have some other jobs that mm-hmm. help supplement my income uh, uh, exactly to grind. Uh, uh, especially once you get into agriculture, the, a lot of the times you you don't get paid every two weeks with agriculture. You know, especially with my teas, you work really hard during the spring. You don't make any money, and then you make a ton of money in the fall and early mm-hmm. winter. Uh, that's just the nature of agriculture. So yeah, I'm I'm working on it to eventually be a full time where I could be selling tea all year round and have enough inventory to sell all year round, and also just have enough time and space to work in agriculture all year round. But as of right now, I have other what, jobs on the
1: side. What, what would that look like though, like inventory wise? Like, are you, do you, are you looking at like, cause I know you can grow stuff during the winter, but with like, uh, like those, um, I forgot what they're called, sorry, like houses. Greenhouses. Like, yeah, greenhouses. yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. So what, what does that look like uh, in terms of that? Do you think you'd ever go that route or you just overstock, make it a bunch and just like not sit on it, but like, you know, like just, yeah, yeah, I guess no,
2: stock it. Yeah, yeah that would be the latter one of those. Uh, so yeah, I try to grow as much as I can during the growing season, and then during the winter months try to sell the tea. And uh, it takes a long time for me to process all the tea and package it, because I do it all by hand. Mm. Um, so yeah, it would be mainly just trying to grow as much as I can throughout the summer, and then fall, winter, get down to the grind, and just try to package it, and then be selling it all winter long. because. Uh, generally in December, you can sell a lot of stuff. People are looking for a lot Christmas, of Christmas presents uh, and stuff. Actually, yeah, yeah. Um, and but um, and then the winter tea salt is pretty good too. But I, I personally find once the warmer weather starts to hit. People start buying less tea. You know, it's mm-hmm. warm outside. People don't yeah. want to drink tea and as much.
1: What, what were you doing in terms of like trying to get people to buy tea? Like, how would you? What, 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 what techniques? If for anybody listening who's interested too, like, even if you're maybe you could be, you know, like the old lemonade stand, for instance. Obviously, you know, <laughs> I'm just kidding around here. But what would you? What would you do? Like, in terms of like, okay, I got product. What do you? What do you do to 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 get see clients?
2: So my primary like uh, markets were uh, farmers markets oh, or nice. Christmas
1: markets. Okay. Those were uh, generally where
2: I sold most of my tea. Okay. Uh, by now I'm also selling online, so oh, I have nice. an online store where uh, maybe we can put it. Uh, yeah. yeah posted link it after some people, for sure, yeah. if anybody wants to check out my website or my mm-hmm. products, they can. I'm yeah. um, So I've been doing that. Um. I'll also this year in particular, I had a lot of large orders because sometimes people uh, they like to order like you know uh, they need uh, a corporate gift for 300 employees or something. So I get some of those sometimes. Has that happened? Yeah, it happened. uh, Actually, it's the way I sold most of my tea this year is uh, through large sales like that. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. going back to the uh, whole lemonade stand concept that's actually not such a far-fetched idea but <laughs> I really because I thought about it and I was like man if you know if you're talking about like summertime it sends to tape, uh, tends to taper off a little bit it's like oh you know you come in with some kind of iced tea campaign you know or like maybe you supply like uh, an outdoor event you know with a bunch of K.O.T. iced tea like,
1: <laughs> you know what I, I'm yeah, saying I, 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 I don't know man would, I feel like somebody's gonna call a cop like, there's a 29 year old man selling lemonade <laughs> down the street you know like <laughs> plenty of karens out there looking to get a killer. you know we're not we're not 10 anymore but yeah no, I, uh, no,
0: for sure but like on a mass scale you know you use a bunch of your overstock product or something and you could just like serve it at an event or something yeah just a brainstorming idea but you know <laughs>
2: we'll leave it as a possibility yeah
0: yeah. yeah yeah we'll get back to you yeah. <laughs> well, we'll call you back in five business days yeah five, 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 five.
1: <laughs> and so, and so, what's your take in terms of like? Because uh, I remember you briefly. Like, I, I know you. We've been friends for a while, but um, you know, growing home, growing, uh, self sustainability, biodiversity. How do these things all come to play? And and uh, and what do you? What message do you want to start to to, to convey uh, to to people who are listening and to people who are interested? Who people want to change their habits? Just eating clean, and that kind of you know.
2: Yeah, so uh, yeah, my business and myself, I have a huge focus on the environment. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, biodiversity loss and climate change are huge issues right now. Absolutely, uh, these are issues that we work on in the Canadian Agricultural Youth Council. I'm actually part of the working group that works on the issue of climate change in agriculture. Oh no way! Because with with just agriculture alone, isn't is reach... climate
1: change like not real though? <laughs> uh, no, I'm pretty sure it's pretty real, buddy. <laughs> no, I did. It. <laughs> oh really? Oh yeah, I just <laughs> I just kidding, man. I'm just, I mean, I'm just ripping on people who think the earth is flat and to, all. Right. but yeah, no, I, sure. I have
2: a very important uh, ideas. Well, I'm Anishinaabe too, right? So we have very we have a duty to protect the earth and that's all fair. the life on it. As you know, we are apex predators, so we have a, a huge duty to protect the earth and not destroy it even though that's what we're doing but you know we do what we can um i personally see i like to have uh, try to have environmentally friendly packaging i don't Mm -hmm. use any uh, pesticides or any kind of harsh chemical fertilizers in Mm -hmm. my production and then i also have a huge promote promotive side for uh biodiversity meaning like not just going in and destroying every single living thing in on a you know, in an area to grow something, I always let a little bit of na- uh, native plants flourish, and oh. I also have a big thing of protecting bees. Because well, bees right now is one of my like biggest things, especially with my business. Uh, a lot of the plants I grow are very pollinator friendly plants. Mm-hmm. And as you know, um, one thing like to just put in perspective how important bees is, is every third bite of food that a human takes can be contributed to bees alone or, no, bees, or pollinators. Yeah, I think one every three bites of food can be contributed to pollinators. So, one every uh, three bites of food that you take is pollinators that pollinated a plant that helped make that food. Wow. So, you know, it's really important. Like, we need them. So, I uh. try to do my best I can to promote bees, promote mm. butterflies, and other pollinators. Do you think you'd ever go into the honey Absolutely. business? Or? No, see, the honey business is kind of. It, it has its benefits, but it also has its downside it's downfall, too. Yeah. You see, because um, honeybees, the honeybees that we use to get honey, aren't native to North America. They're a, a, a type of bee that came from Europe. They're a, a cultivated bee, a domestic, yeah, yeah, yeah. Domesticated, uh, uh, yeah. domesticated bee. Um, and they're actually no not that good for the wild beetle population. And really? a lot of the times, when this is a message <sighs> I really like to I didn't get know out that. there, is that having uh, domesticated bees isn't always good for the pollinators you know everyone's always thinking well the pollinators if we're helping the domestic bees you know the ones that make us honey isn't that good enough the answer is no we need our wild pollinators yeah. mm-hmm. are very important our wild bee you know the bumblebee or uh, I forget all the different kinds. So, of bee- yeah, bees, yeah, yeah.
0: But... just to kind of go quickly into it. Uh, first of all, I can personally att- attest to the fact that uh, Kyoki is very much conscious on that kind of thing because I've taken tours of his garden with him, and he has like a whole bin set up with like actual compost ready to kind of feed back into the dirt. uh Very much, it is laid out with like different plants kind of spread out. You obviously keep like you know a certain amount gone from to let certain plants flourish and whatever. Uh, but that's one thing I was going to say is I remember last time we were touring it, I saw the bees like that uh, we were trying to capture videos of the bees to make that little video. And, um, what kind of different bees would you say, like have different benefits? Like, cause you told me there was like a bunch of different types of species and you were kind of pointing them out to me. And, uh, what would you say is like the most common or maybe the most like, I'd say the most common one that, that I'd
2: see around is the bumblebee. Okay. Uh, Bombus
0: impatiens. and
2: it, There's just a ton of them. And a lot of the plants that I grow are, they just love the, I uh, certain plants like mint and agastache the bumblebees just love um but yeah you do see a lot of other uh ones as well i just i forget all the different names there's a few different kind of native bee species that we have but i believe we even have our own native honeybee uh it's not a super common type of bee but cool that's actually pretty
1: sweet Mm. yeah honestly man i like you know, hates a strong word and all that stuff, but man, I definitely dislike wasps. Man, <laughs> wasps are just like wasps. Just are like that one person that just like invites himself to the party and shows up and you're just like around your like beer, or your lemonade, or whatever you're chilling in the back. Yeah,
2: they have their place in in in, in the environment, though. Yeah. <laughs> and some wasps do pollinate things too, as well. So. Really?
1: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what's uh? I've, I've been hearing a lot of uh, obviously, you know, you know, like uh, it's in my mind. It's pretty funny, you know, the whole like uh, the bees. Uh, that were coming over from Asia, I believe. They're like the killer hornets, like they're huge. They found a couple of them in BC, Uh, if I remember correctly. Do you know anything about those or no?
2: No, I haven't been to BC and hopefully we don't get them here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I like bees, but I definitely don't want killer bees. Crazy, psychotic hornets. (laughs) Especially because they're invasive species too, right? Yeah, they like go and they,
1: they, they, they like killer the wasp right
0: yeah they kill me yeah. turns out
2: you
1: meet Beast one monster. they're like
0: the size of a dog we just like <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> 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 um yeah Kyogi, i was also thinking like uh what what other passions would you say are part of your daily life or other things are you passionate about just maybe hobbies you have whatever that that kind of relate to your tea business and stuff that maybe is or, or related to agriculture and things like that like do you have anything else that kind of you're working on or uh no i'd say mainly just what i've been saying about you
2: know environmentalism protecting the environment uh that's what i do i do that with my business and i do that with my personal life as well you know just try to do what i can you know for the environment biodiversity and climate change so those are my always my main focus in life in general and i also focus on them in my business too Mm -hmm. Do
1: do you have any like tips for like the people who are listening like do you have any like tips even like let's say in your home like let's say just come composting like five best tips to you know change your shitty habits
2: i don't know that's a group. that's a great question so composting is obviously a huge one but as of right now most cities in canada and i even think more north america have adopted uh citywide composting okay. not all but uh, there is it once they kind of discovered that oh, okay our landfills are producing crazy amounts of greenhouse gases if we separated this the biomass which is all like the food stuff scraps that we mm-hmm. throw out and mm-hmm. uh, we could you know limit that amount and so that's what they're doing now and it's been a huge success most cities now have a city-wide composting so really? just doing your part to compost is, is a huge step okay um another thing i could say um is providing by bi- uh, for biodiversity biodiversity specifically, is instead of just having a lot of people in the cities, especially just having like nice green lawns, and green lawns, they have their benefits as they are a good carbon sink. Um, Like every time, uh, you know, carbon comes off from a car, they'll go into the leaves of the grass, and every time you cut it, the, all the leaves of the grass are going back into the soil after you cut them and that's when those leaves decompose that's carbon and nitrogen going back into the ground no way so they have a small benefit but um for for in terms of carbon sequestration mm-hmm. but they don't do anything for biodiversity so what i could say is that if you have a lawn try to let a few native plants or flowers grow in there um yeah, try enough. to encourage different types of flowers, not just one Sheet of grass, which is often not like native grasses, anyways. So, mm-hmm. and then this way it helps like little little insects and you know the bees and the birds and the bees. Um, <laughs> yeah, having little flowers and just biodiversity within just your own lawn yeah. can make a huge difference. Yeah. I've
1: actually heard too as well. Like even like um, when you prepare your lawn for the winter, a lot of people like rake their leaves, and I heard that it was actually kind of good to leave like leaves that have recently fallen like in the fall uh to actually leave like almost like a little bed because apparently when it snows there's still like critters that crawl under there at that point in time so i could definitely see that and relate to that for sure on that on that note that's interesting
2: yeah, that's a good point, too. Yeah, leaving your leaves is, can make a huge difference. Uh, I personally don't even rake up leaves at my place anymore because, yeah, yeah, it's better for biodiversity. And it's good for certain insects, specifically uh, one of everyone's favorite insects, the firefly or lightning bug. Oh, yeah. That's one of those insects that needs to live underneath leaves for the winter. So if you really? leave them, you know, you're helping them out.
0: So. It makes oh, you that's how, uh, how, how much raking is a big waste of fucking time. <laughs> 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 you're just like, right, wow, I've been raking all these years. It's just like a little bit of a bad for the earth well it's just it's a social it's
1: definitely socially like constructed where exactly. it's like, if you're fucking if you're fucking the lawn isn't fucking spick and span your neighbor's gonna get pissed
0: yeah. 100 percent. know what, exactly I mean? what he's saying about Sorry. uh uh socially constructed is like the whole idea of a lawn in the first place like people are like mm-hmm. it's got to be mint it's got to be clean it's got to be fresh and cut and like just grass and it's like yeah but it's not doing anything like, there's even like, areas where i don't where care like maybe other people care visually just, but well there's, there. there's i don't
1: know i don't know specifically for our location but i've heard that there's definitely locations for sure that like People will get pissed off and like contact the city, you know what I mean? Because your lawn isn't like spick it, pick and span. It's like, yo, it's
0: like
1: I paid for this fucking property, like right? Like fuck, like mind your shit. You and know? that too, yeah, mind
0: your business. And it's yeah. also such a trivial issue. Like it's just like mm. it's, uh, that's stupid. And you're actually counter being counterproductive with what like, you're doing. I, I, like, I, you're get just to, I, I
1: understand it too to a certain point. Don't get me wrong. It's not like okay, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna put out a fridge on my lawn. Like you know what I mean? Like I <laughs> yeah. track, like make it look, you know. what I'm saying like it doesn't have to be like this like cookie cutter spick and span lawn i think you know totally uh, you know no, I mean? so. absolutely and more and, and more these
2: days people are starting to break those cycles yeah. you know back back in you know the uh, 60s or 70s or the 80s it was that yeah you have to have a nice lawn in front of your house if you're going to live in the suburbs but nowadays now that people are starting to understand the whole problem with biodiversity the problems with lawns and everything more and more people are starting to break that cycle so mm. now in the city in most cities nowadays you'll see more and more people who just have a lot of weeds in their lawn or yeah. the whole gar- front lawn is just one huge garden instead uh, yeah 100 you
1: know, percent. Oh, yeah. and and, and it, yeah no it's 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 really important i think to kind of even iterate these kinds of things especially if you're going to be locked into your house for you know if you just bought a house let's say for example and you're planning on live there for a couple of years you know i think developing these kinds of good habits is, is great um but what what else would you like say for the average home slash for just person who lives, who has like a place uh, other than composting, do you have any other like little small tips? Should they keep plants in the house for instance? Or like, you know, just um, shit like that.
2: I'd say the biggest thing, and I'm kind of taking this straight from David Attenborough here, nice. but is to not waste. I think the, just waste, our waste cycles in general are the biggest problem. I'm not just talking about your home garbage and your home plastic consumption, but just any kind of consumption in general, you know, whether it be electricity or even food, uh, your food consumption, not to waste food that you buy. In Canada, we throw out about half of all the food that's grown here. Uh, wow. just because of food spoiling so food waste is obviously a huge part of the problem but Jeez. yeah just any kind of waste in general like if, if you can is, yeah, limit your waste is probably the best way to can tackle That's something
1: that bothers me too like you see grocery stores and I know like the grocery stores I think it's like right. a I think it's policy wise that they have to throw out food and they just can't give it to like homeless people for instance I'm like, not sure
2: if it's, it's a company policy or what that is but yeah that's definitely a mess Yeah, up. That's why you
1: see a lot of people especially out west like Going dumpster diving and just getting like the most gem, all these different types of gems and they're like super stoked. I have a couple friends who're telling me about it and they're they're just like yeah we went dumpster diving we literally got groceries for the week and like mm-hmm. meat that was going bad like in like three days or two days or the day of but they could just freeze it mm-hmm. and it's like man you could be feeding so, so many more people that's that's what pisses mm-hmm. me off. But uh, yeah like I don't know I don't, I don't know if this is a good technique but I, I take compost and I put it in like an actual brown bag like a paper bag and I stick it in the freezer you know especially in the and then after I just put in the compost outside like in the actual compost bin yeah that's yeah. a perfect way to do it yeah. Yeah.
0: that's what I've been doing yeah, personally and that uh, I mean for anyone who's you know as far as like being tricky with compost, just like, oh, I don't like the smell, or I don't like the mess of it, or whatever. Uh, To be honest, putting it in the freezer is a great trick. Uh, It it actually, there's no smell, yeah, there's no smell. It's like kind of confined, it's uh, doing its thing. And uh, just really quick, I I was just thinking of another thing, Uh, going back to a point you made to me in the past that I thought was really funny, and I'm gonna get to that in a second, but I've had conversations with people uh, in my life where um, you, you want to break this social norm like we're going back to the social norm thing right mm-hmm. and it's just like you mentioned organic and, and people are like oh organic and then like I've even had conversations with people being like oh organic it's just you know a fancy way to charge more for carrots or whatever and for sure you want to research the background of a company you want to actually know if it's organic or not but I, I thought it was funny because people were so like Ugh. and but you really think about it and it's like uh, you, you mentioned a point to me like why do I always have to call myself uh, my carrots organic carrots you're like the companies out there that are mass producing and using all these like uh, different like uh, kind of chemicals and whatever it's like they should call them chemical carrots and I should just call mine carrots <laughs> Exactly. And I remember that was just uh, that stuck with me ever since you said that because I was like yeah shit it's true it's the way we look at it's so skewed almost like it's like no you gotta well, look it's like, at, it's and like there's more time and effort put into that that quality organic grow you know it's like, like in,
1: it's like McDonald's in a way being their hmm. company saying 100% ground beef yeah, you know, but that's actually the company name.
0: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I believe that's a good relation. Yeah, <laughs> you know
1: what I mean. So it's not actually one hundred percent ground. The, the company names it is one hundred percent ground. Beef. And it's just
0: another thing to make you think a certain way. One hundred percent. Yeah, no, I totally agree.
2: Like, yeah, why isn't everybody who doesn't spray pesticides on their product have to call their stuff organic? Rather, why don't we call instead of calling organic food organic? Why don't we call non-organic by pesticide treated food? You know, yeah absolutely making, it's, like, it's
1: definitely a tactic. like being be yeah. more transparent it's a marketing it. tactic yeah because exactly. yeah. at the end of the day they're like okay well let's 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 market this is like super organic and like i'm I, I haven't done that much research on it so i'm not going to go super d- d- depth, like, in depth about it but 100 percent marketing tactic that we're like oh let's just yeah. get this certain group of people who are like you know granola eaters almost you know and I'm not I, I eat granola I'm not saying you know granola eaters a bad thing no but
0: I understand what you mean like they're they're sort of targeting a way of think uh targeting a way of thinking sometimes yeah like like because so here's here's another point uh you know, people have legitimate organic companies out there and then you go and you have certain companies that maybe it is legitimately organic in the background but it's like they'll label it organic and they'll fucking just like charge you through the roof and then like and then kind of and they're still packaging it in plastic or whatever you know and they're doing and they're just mastered it so it's like kind of taken away from the whole point of leaning towards organic and leaning towards sustainable you know it's like (laughs) so it's just using the organic culture as another way of making money for a big corporation another marketing scheme yeah yeah yeah. yeah
1: No, it's a good point. No, it's true. Yeah. No, so it's, I don't know. You just, at the end of the day, you just kind of got to gotta gotta be like more i think i think it's more of a conscious thing though too right because we're, we're talking about this and i feel it. Like it's like effort it takes effort and as soon as effort comes into play people just get fucking lazy man they get so lazy true. because you have to actually put in the effort and so people get fucking lazy like oh like i could just fucking like they throw it's easier to throw it out than to actually consciously be aware and like be like oh i actually have to like okay i have to put this in the freezer i have to actually like you know Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, it's it's, so true. And
0: putting ourselves in those situations, I absolutely agree with that. You have to
1: create the habit, and a lot of the times, creating that habit is is hard for people. Like, they don't. It's easier just to throw out trash than it is to like. Okay, I'm gonna actually like. I've gotten the habit of cutting like you know like the six pack like the beer packets yeah, you know yeah. like
0: that for the turtles and shit man yeah, uh, same the world yeah. man <laughs> dude <laughs> you know, you know so. like think of finding Nemo bro like <laughs> yeah give me something bro like I don't want to kill that guy <laughs> no, I don't want to kill him and his family no but no but for real that's a good point man and and because a lot of times we get, we get, uh, we get, we get comfortable with, um, uh, convenience. We get co- comfortable well, that's what with, it is. with convenience uh, it, is the yeah. biggest
2: problem. hundred percent
0: convenient. And, and then we get, and like you said, we get, it's too satisfied with not being able to push ourselves. Uber eats is another example that all these things in life, like don't get me wrong. I've done it before too. I'm not, I'm not, you know, shitting on it. It's just, we got to train our brains because I was watching an interview the other day on YouTube actually about, uh, somebody brought up, um, I would have to look more into it. And I'd like to maybe bring it up in another podcast and talk further mm-hmm. about it. Once I look into it, but basically just the concept of like our actual genetic buildup and like how our, 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 um, yeah, like our molecules in our body have, um, energy and wisdom from like our past ancestors and stuff like obviously, right. Like genetics passed down through time, but like when you put yourself in a situation where you're given like. Uh, your discomfort, or or like uh, pressure, or like something where you have to solve something, or like you have right. to get break through something. Mm-hmm. Uh, our bio, like our chemical buildup, actually get, like shoots off these these things that, that kind of like I guess draw that wisdom back, and and even if it's subconscious, like it almost draws, like it basically what I'm trying to say is it builds on your. Chemical buildup in your body, and it makes you more resilient to situations and no to way. being a shar- having a sharper mind, having things like that. Even if it's small bits at a time, it's just so. So, what I mean by that is, if you're going around and you're putting yourself in the discomfort of working out harder every day, uh, working harder on something that maybe you worked all day, but you put in time after to write it, or or you know, like maybe you're you're applying for jobs or you're like editing videos the way we do. You know, to mm-hmm. like come home from an eight-hour day and spend like three more hours editing a video, and it's like uh, your your body itself is like building on that mm-hmm. and uh your brain is building resilience and understanding and like yeah. something, something i'd have to look, look further into it but so, no, that's,
1: <laughs> that's an interesting point though something too like i've just like a, it just made me think of actually is basically like I've, I've i've done fasting i don't know if you guys have ever tried it or not but uh Absolutely. fasting is super intense like in the sense that like um something that i noticed too is you start to fast right so it's like your body kind of goes into this like weird like You know, you start getting, you can get nauseous, you can get a headache and stuff. But if you look back at like our ancestors, you know, people would go hunting, right? And they wouldn't eat, sometimes they wouldn't eat for like a day. So during that time, it become like a fast, right? Which is actually helps like your cells regenerate, helps your gut health, helps a bunch so there's a bunch of different like health benefits from fasting, but you can really see it. Like you almost go into fight or flight mode in a way when you're fasting, it's just like, you kind of like where well, you even hear food or your senses sharpen, you know, your eyesight <laughs> yeah. gets like more it's intense, like you can hear different things. And it's like your body going into that like animalistic, like, oh God, I'm hunting mode almost. it's very, very interesting.
0: It is. So, Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah. I don't think fasting's for me, but I, it's cool that you do it. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I mean, I, I do it once in a while. Like, I don't think it's like you know, it's it's in very like it's in a lot of different religions too, as well. Yeah. But uh, but I just do it for the health benefits because I think it is good to actually you know give your body a break, especially when it comes to like all the the, the type of shit that we have in our foods nowadays. Going back to that, there's certain foods that can, that can just cause inflation. Uh, not inflation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shit's getting. Yeah, inflation's it's a real thing. Inflammation, inflammation, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can get inflated and there's certain foods will, will, will do that to you, right? Yep. So I think it's, it's good to like actually give your body a break from, because if you think of it, we're literally ingesting food literally 24 hours, like 24-7 nonstop. Yeah. So I think it's very important just to like stop doing that for a bit. And it's not like you have to do it all the time, just once in a while. Like you let your body regenerate just on its own, you know, I think it's very important. So
0: But I mean to teach their own and there's nothing wrong with not fasting too. I'm like, you know, I'm sure you eat healthy. But yourself, it's also so. listening to your body, you know, go with what makes you if it's working for you, man, do yeah. it up, you know, 100%. try it, I'd see how and another you know, kind of point related to that, kind of circling around to what guy's saying back to the tea thing actually is a cultural thing that I love is uh, when I go to uh, like a far place and they they give you tea. With your food, mm-hmm. and uh, I think we might have mentioned that before, but anyway, they give you usually it's lemongrass or it's like green tea or or some kind of green tea. I think tea it's in. jasmine, but. Oh, jasmine thank you that's what it was yeah sometimes it's lemongrass like certain places i've went but yes it's most commonly jasmine and i like when it's jasmine to be honest um and uh yeah like i I find it helps me me digest right like and that's another thing that i love about having your tea around is sometimes we'll have it with our meals and it's just so good for the stomach like it it feels great like it feels like settling after and you know it feels like i'm actually digesting my food properly and again the point i'm trying to bring up i guess is just Again, seeing the proof of a balanced lifestyle is really cool sometimes, you know. It's uh, the more I've been consuming these things and the more I've been, like, focusing on what I'm consuming and putting into my body, I'm noticing the difference in my day-to-day life. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I got a lot of of herbs
1: that helps uh, with digestion, so. Uh, Yeah. yeah. What, what, what what, (laughs) (laughs) What did you base your teas on? Like, how did you decide, like okay, this is going to do this, this is going to do that, lemon balm, like, what did you, how did you, what was the process of deciding all the different types of teas you were going to make, and it was just through research, or?
2: Yeah, basically, I did it all through research. Uh, Before I got into it, um, like, again, I think I told you about the mint plants, so the mint, I already kind of knew a lot about but it's basically since i actually started the tea business i started just researching what plants can be made into tea and i found out a lot of plants that can be made into tea but not all of them deliver like a nice pleasant aroma like the way the, most of mine do so i, I pick mainly aromatic plants meaning plants that have strong scents like uh. mint family plants and stuff like that um, but yeah, no so basically it's just through research. And then when I found something, oh, this plant's an interesting plant that I can grow. I'll give it a try. Then I grow it and then I'll drink a cup of tea and then I'll make a few cups for people around me, usually people in my family. And if I say, if they, I get a, an agreement from them all like, yeah, this tea tastes pretty good, then bam, this is this is now one of my products. If I serve it to everybody and they're like, oh, this is gross. I can't drink this. Then it become, doesn't become one of my... Uh, When my products a lot of like i I have tried a lot of like bitter kind of teas but none of them actually made it into my product listing because
1: they're not really an agreeable taste to a lot of people so Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good way to do it man yeah. <laughs> okay so okay so yeah so then you basically yeah so you did a lot of research okay cuz I've noticed that actually about like the teas that I drink especially uh, the lemon balm one and the raspberry leaf those are probably my two favorite but what about the forest blend is that new yeah so uh, I have now five different types
2: of blends okay uh, so two that I've been doing for a while one's called the extreme lemon blend which you're about to drink a little bit right here right now uh, That's it. Um so that one's made out of I think I've told the ingredients for that one lemongrass, lemon balm, lemon verbena, lemon mint. Then I have another one called fruit salad blend which is Lemon verbena, uh, pineapple sage, banana mint, apple mint, and raspberry leaf. Okay. And then the new this year, I've started, I wanted. to, I've been getting a lot of people asking me, oh, yeah, do you have any more blends? And so I was really started to get into making blends this year. So, yeah, the one I believe you've tried already is the forest blend. Mm-hmm. So, that one's just a blend of a bunch of different plants that you would find in the forest, including raspberry leaf, balsam fir, labrador tea, and sweet fern. So they're all; those are all in native plants to this area. Okay. Cause
0: so when I was
1: drinking it, like I feel like it's very like strong and potent. It reminded me of, um, like you know, people like. Make- uh, pine needle tea, I think. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of that. Like well, in a ball- way, you can feel it in your nasal pathway. Balsam, like fir, is, is, is,
2: balsam fir is a type of conifer that uh, oh, is okay. related to pine, actually. Oh, so okay, you might yeah, find little like, needles in it, then yeah, that's a conifer leaves that you're drinking. Oh, okay,
1: because I was, remember, I was like, I like, I think it was here or something. You're like, you're like, somebody took a sip, and I'm like, holy, holy shit, bro! It feels like I'm drinking a forest. <laughs> yeah, 100% The
0: best way I could describe it is like if, if there was fresh rain in like the woods, and that that, that kind yeah. of aroma of of like a fresh forest rain like that's what that's what it kind of tasted like like a very deep bold musky like kind of piney like yeah yeah Yeah. no yeah no right away i noticed that and uh and uh i'm kind of curious too as well like what are the
1: what, what like obviously there's health benefits for sure like i mean i felt it just personally like just drinking tea in general like you feel it for like digestion i don't know all the health benefits i'm not a doctor but like i'm sure you can kind of like just say different types of things that you think that 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 tea helps with
2: yeah so i mean there's definitely a lot of legalities around saying health benefits of your products that i gotta watch out Um, but specifically we're talking about the blends right now and in the blends i can't really say that because there's so much different things in each one of those blends there's four or five different plants in it and some of them are Different types of medicines that maybe go against each other's. So,
1: so maybe so, these, these health benefits are may help you, may not help you. Undisclosed. Yeah. We're not for sure. Yeah. No. What I can say <laughs> is that I can say what, but like
2: traditional benefits of specific ingredients in each blend, but I can't say this blend can help you. With yeah. That. So yeah, that no, actually, sure. funny enough, leads me cool. to
0: a point I was going to bring up. Actually, the raspberry leaf, for example, has mm-hmm. a description on it. Yeah. Uh, that kind of gives that so obviously you you are not necessarily a medical professional who can say okay I can guarantee this is gonna work, but could you give it an example of what that says actually?
2: Yeah Well, what uh, I can say about raspberry leaf is like, I can't say well this will be good for any of these diseases but what I can say about raspberry leaf is traditionally it was used uh, it was mainly a women's medicine as it was given to women before childbirth um, in the third trimester and it's still a commonly consumed beverage today for pregnant women only in the third trimester Mm -hmm. all as well it helps um, so raspberry leaf is astringent and astringent plants uh, tighten up different organs in your body and so it helps a lot of women with menstrual cramps uh, as it helps tighten up um some of that area and i've I've had a lot of women in my personal life who were having these issues and i've made them cups of raspberry leaf and i almost almost every time that i made them a couple of raspberry leaf they said oh my god that helps so much it doesn't hurt as much now and wow um, see i love to hear that and yeah, that's I why, had why no I, love that. just, yeah, I had no idea about this yeah and that's no why idea. i
0: loved uh, like because i had read that description one day because we have the raspberry leaf and i i just was like wow that's cool that he actually kind of defines that on the bag because i was like that that that's beneficial for people and now you telling me that you physically well obviously you would have I'm sure examples where it's worked but just you know what I mean like you telling me that it's cool because now we can spread it to anybody again going back to anyone who's listening to the program kind of thing like you, you can use that knowledge and buy some raspberry leaf from KOT you know you <laughs> okay. to, that's, yeah. that's sick <laughs> though like man I love that dude So, yeah, and honestly, man, I just I think it's a really cool thing. And um, going uh, further on that point, uh, you you were mentioning earlier you wanted to talk about specific uh, types of your tea or anything? Yeah, I would just maybe
2: like to give a mention to anybody who's interested in K.O.T. out there what exactly I do sell, what my products are. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I've mentioned um, the mint is what got me into this. I'm going to start with that. So I do sell the very common kinds of mint you would find in other tea shops, including peppermint and spearmint. But then i go into i found a bunch of different uh interesting cultivars of mint that i really like that i also sell and these include things like uh pineapple mint apple mint ginger mint uh, moroccan mint strawberry mint orange mint banana mint and um uh, silver mint Uh, so those are just some different varieties of the mint plant that i found that i find make really good teas um Ginger mint is probably my best seller. Everybody's always asking for so ginger mint. Good. Yeah, um, wow. yeah then, uh, A lot One of the other doctor. plants uh, I work with are aromatic plants in the mint family. Uh, so about like 80% of the products that I have are either a mint plant or in the mint family. So other ones in the mint family include lemon balm, uh, pineapple sage, catnip, and bee balm. And as well as Annie's High Stop, also known as agastache or mm-hmm. anise. It's like a licorice flavored herb. Um, Yeah, those are all the aromatic herbs, and then I have a few other um, uh, aromatic herbs that include lemongrass and lemon verbena, Um, as well as I do sell a number of native species, um, including raspberry leaf, uh, balsam fir, um, labrador tea, and sweet fern. And as well as I do sell some other random types of tea like stinging nettle, which is a very nutritious herb. It's not exactly my best tasting herb that I sell. It tastes like dirt, but mm-hmm. that dirt has a lot of nutrients in it. There you go. <laughs> um, and then as well, um, on top of those uh, plants that I listed, I also have my blends that I make. So I mentioned the uh, extreme lemon blend, uh, the sal- fruit salad blend, uh, the forest blend, and then also have one called the morning dew blend. Uh, which is mojito mint, uh, Siberian ginseng, stinging nettle, and holy basil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have one called In the Evening, which is meant to be like a tea that helps you go to sleep. And that one's uh, lemon balm, anise high sop, and catnip. So, yeah, those are all the products that I have as of right now. But I'm, every year, I usually gain about two or three products, through three herbs
0: blends that I made. Oh, that sounds so, like a
1: lot. A lot of different yeah. variety right there. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. And I've always found it very impressive going over, like, how, uh, and it's cool because I was actually able to see the difference, like, after visually uh, him pointing it out, but, like, just naming all the different mints, and, like, I'd walk up, and it's like, it looks like just another patch of mint, (laughs) and then you kind of go closer, and little uh sort of uh changes in the leaves or like the coloring or the way the 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 spines look on the leaves and stuff like that and you just be like yeah this is orange mint or this one's like peppermint or whatever And it's really cool to see that but like the fact that you have an eye for that uh is impressive man and uh that's awesome dude like that and that's such a wide range of teas and oh just one really quick story i won't go like uh i won't say the full details or whatever but um just when i was in amsterdam that one time at the cooking off gardens I remember like taking a picture, and I was just taking a uh, making a joke, and I was taking a picture of a tulip, and it was like a sort of off-white tulip with this um, very abstract sort of like red drip, like almost like bloody drips on it. Uh, and I just remember taking a picture of it with like a picture, like uh, a pencil drawing I did of Kyoki's face, and I was just like, "Look, you're here, man, in the Hoff Gardens or whatever." And uh, but I just remember literally like he goes, "Oh yeah, it's so funny, dude." And then he literally like gave me the Latin name of uh, which do you have that offhand? Like tulipers, tulippa, which means
2: tulip in yeah. Latin. Sempervirens. Okay. Which yeah. is the name of that tulip, which was, uh, turned out to be a very prized tulip back in the tulip mania in Holland back in the 14th century or whatever it was. Yeah, because tulip was
0: like a huge commodity, correct? Yeah, like the, a, the, yeah, yeah. Came,
2: big tulips came uh, a very huge commodity in, in Holland, and in, I forget.